Good morning today with us, Jose Anson, right? <laughs> we just had a conversation about, uh, about how to pronounce your name the Spanish way. Um, very happy to have you here. Uh, I think for listeners, we usually have slightly different um, because of your background. Uh, Jose, a quick introduction uh, of you and then I'd like to give the word to you. You are an economist, a postal economist. You spent quite some time uh, at Yupu. We're just gonna dig in what Yupu is and, 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 and what it does in our industry, um, where you did a lot of research, data analysis involved with uh, just general research, but also policy development. And now you run your own company in, this, uh, in, in the logistics and delivery space, right? Absolutely right. Hola, Mark. So yes, Hi. I'm Jose, <laughs> pronounce it. And I'm really glad to join you in this conversation uh, about uh, the future of logistics, our industry. Yes, yeah, absolutely. The, the reason, and I think that's where I want to start, is, is with you, Poo. Because the reason we're sitting here having this talk, and I think it's actually a pretty funny story. Um, on a regular basis, we, we, we uh, publish some, some uh, blog posts, usually sort of in this case it was LinkedIn, where it's more macro uh, general on the developments on the industry, certain things that are happening uh, a bit less practical. And we recently published a post on how it's possible that um, shipping from China is so cheap. And you... It's all my fault, Mark. Huh? It's all my fault. Yes, that's what you said. That, 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 was, that was actually the intro. You said, it's all your fault. Now, just uh, create a bit of context here for, for me and the people who are listening if you want, um, because that, that goes back to your days at Yupu. What is Yupu? So the Universal Postal Union uh, is uh, the United Nations uh, specialized agency that connects all postal and logistic networks in the world, at least uh, the postal logistic networks that are designated by each government of the world, of each country. To this United Nations agency. Historically, uh, these designated operators have been the, the historical postal operators. Yeah, so it, 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 is, it is sort of the global union for national postal services, right? Absolutely right. Okay. okay. But it's, not, uh, it's not necessary to, to uh, suppose to be so and to remain so. Mm -hmm. uh, each government in the world could easily designate more logistics operators to this organization, more postal operators. Okay, uh, so it's, it's a relatively uh, relatively open open setting because it's a, it's a very old institute, right? It's it's one of the oldest yes. global global almost a century and a half, right? Yes, it was created in 1874 uh, during the the, the first uh, uh, large wave of globalization at the end of uh, the of the 19th century. So it was, it has even preceded the United Nations system and it was extremely innovative at the time. Uh, the principle of standardizing international postal exchange, um, bridging countries with, uh, uh, with the multilateral treaty mm -hmm. was the first, uh, first of its kind. So it was absolutely amazing to and, create this organization. And, and what was the, the initial purpose behind it? Was it, was it literally to see, okay, all these, these nations have their domestic 
infrastructures for the Liverpools and stuff like that. But if we do that on an international level, we build a much more global infrastructure, which gives an impulse to trade and all that. Was that the basic reasoning behind the UPU? Yeah, the main purpose was to create what is called a single postal territory mm-hmm. worldwide. Uh, because before uh, the existence of the Universal Postal Union, you had to, to have bilateral agreements between each country in order to allow the, the, the circulation, the, the, the flow of mail, of letters, going from one country to another. And sometimes they were also transiting through different countries and there was a, 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 a no standard agreement, no standard how to move things from uh, one country to another. So this organization created uh, a single postal territory wherever uh, a mail coming uh, from any other country would be allowed to circulate uh, through the member of these countries to the final destination and, uh, um, and the other way around. And at the time, there, were, there was no remuneration, no terminal dues, no, no money to be paid by each country uh, to, to another for this exchange of international mail, because the, the letter of traffic was supposed to be balanced. If you write me a letter, I would answer. So if I send you uh, a letter, you will send me another one. And the deal was that because you allow, uh, you distribute, you deliver my letter, I will deliver your answer. And, the, uh, and, and there was no economic financial compensation. Yeah, so it, it, it was really, really based on, 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 on sort of the gentleman's agreement that postal markets are of equal size. And so let's be all friends together. And, and, and that's it. Yes, but more than gentleman agreement. Yeah. It was one of the first official international multilateral treaty. Yeah. Uh, after the International Telecommunication Union, which was created uh, five years before in 1869. That's, that's a long time ago. Fast forward in time a bit, because you are uh, an academic by sort of education and trade, right? How did you end up with Yupu and what did you do there? Because that, that's where we, you know, navigating the, the interesting waters, why it's your fault that stuff from China comes into the Western world so cheap. At the time I joined the UPU, uh, the new director general of the UPU at the time, Edouard Dayan, was creating an economic research unit in the the organization. So they they hired me uh, to to run this economic research uh, uh, at UPU. And this was including the establishment of uh, country classification to determine which country uh, should benefit from preferences to pay uh, less in terms of access to the partner network uh, for this uh, exchange of international uh, letter post items. So basically, uh, I did a lot of research. The focus of my research was on, on understanding the logic of uh, postal development in developing countries, because most of the research that uh, was produced was about advanced economies, industrialized countries. And there was very little uh, knowledge about the economics of postal networks in emerging and developing countries. And this was most of my research, mm-hmm. was to show so that the postal networks could be used for uh, uh, a wide portfolio of inclusion policies, like financial inclusion, like trade facilitation inclusion, or small and medium-sized enterprises, and so on and so forth. And beside that main work, I had to, to 
develop uh, with a fellow economist uh, from the French Post uh, um, uh, a classification system to, to put countries in different categories, in, in exactly five categories, uh, to, to know what they will pay in the future uh, for their small packets. Yeah. <laughs> what has <to> happened? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So let, 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 let me tear this apart a bit because sort of academically you were mainly focused on looking at sort of the impact of postal infrastructure to the development of countries. Yes, exactly. What did you find out there? Because it's sort of, I reckon next to literally the physical road infrastructure, trans transportation infrastructure, probably postal infrastructures is one of the first ones you see emerge in countries, right? Yes, we found actually that uh, given the, 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 the extensive postal networks in uh, emerging and developing countries, uh, this uh, network capillarity, this network reach mm -hmm. uh, could uh, uh, support economic growth uh, and inclusion in, in most of these countries. And this was very important at the time because uh, there was very little interest, uh, for instance, by the World Bank to really assess the impact of this postal infrastructure and development. Uh, and we were able to show, for instance, uh, um, by uh, studying uh, uh, very uh, carefully the case of Brazil, mm -hmm. that the number of, uh, of uh, postal um, policies like trade facilitation, export a easy export, uh, you probably heard about, yeah. uh, um, was an amazing uh, uh, success in terms of uh, impact on, on um, on, on um, facilitating access to export to small and medium-sized enterprises in a, in, a, in a developing emerging country like like Brazil at the time, so uh, um, tens of thousands of of, of uh, relatively small companies could have access more easily to export to export market. Thanks uh, to the to to the postal network reach, not only the local reach uh, to access to, to sell the product, uh, to move the product from your uh, from your uh, uh, company to the post, but also because the post was providing as well this this, this global access to this global network uh, that uh, the UPU is uh, sort of uh, supporting. Did you? And, as well, did... and the other big result, also the impact uh, in terms of financial inclusion, if. Uh, you provided financial services through the post, you could reach uh, most of the unbanked people. Uh, uh, unbanked people, people without bank accounts, without uh, any means to, uh, to, to do formal payments or to receive a social security payments. We were able to show that, uh, that this was having a huge positive impact on the economic development of small towns and, and villages. Yeah, it, it, makes, it makes, makes total sense of me. So to, to me, because you, you're basically saying, okay, providing access to postal service in combination with basic financial services sort of includes so many people who were never included before in trade. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's, that's absolutely fascinating. So that was, I think, one of the main notions that led you to decide to develop an international policy of classification of different countries. Is that correct? Or is that a false assumption on my side? It's, uh, it was, uh, it was uh, uh, another issue. Uh, it was not directly connected. Mm -hmm. uh, but because uh, we wanted to apply an economic logic uh, 
uh, to this classification I was involved in. Instead of putting countries in a UN classification order that is not uh, really taking into account postal factors, we were including postal drivers in this classification. Uh, basically, uh, how difficult it was for the postal uh, uh, network of a country to serve the entire population. Mm -hmm. so imagine if you take China Post, for instance, it's true that China is a huge territory. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, um, it's relatively uh, difficult to serve uh, uh, everybody in, in China because uh, you, uh, China Post uh, um, is, is um, constrained to apply the universal uh, um, service policy. So they have to, to, to deliver to, to, to everybody. So the, the, the logic was to, to build up a classification that was taking into account the difficulties of countries to serve the entire territory. Basically, we were using uh, uh, the, 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 the average uh, cost, the unit cost of serving uh, your, your territory. And of course, the greater this territory, the, 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 also the, 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 the greater this cost uh, uh, could, could be. And then the level of macroeconomic, economic development in terms of, uh, of uh, domestic uh, production of this country, the, level, the classical level of economic development. So we wanted to combine classical level of economic development and some specific postal factors to, uh, uh, to mitigate uh, the, the impact of uh, difficulties for a number of countries. And China, of course, uh, was classified uh, in, 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 in group three out of five groups, mm -hmm. uh, also because, of course, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge uh, for, for China, for China uh, postal service to, to provide uh, service to the entire population. Yeah. And this is why China ended up in group three. And, and, and when was that? Because that, that, that classification is, is, is relatively old, right? Yes, this was uh, prepared for the UPU Congress in Geneva in 2008, mm -hmm. uh, and it was supposed to be uh, regularly updated uh, in terms of uh, updating these indicators uh, so that it reflect uh, the, fully the economic reality. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's an interesting thing, <laughs> the economic reality. <laughs> At point, uh, um, such a technical update was was interrupted. This was a decision of few member countries no? to, to 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 accept that uh, this revision, uh, uh, technically speaking, uh, was not necessary. And this, of course, helped maintain China in the group three, uh, that is benefiting from from more preferential access conditions to other postal partners. Yeah, so, so let, let, let me summarize this in between. So your basic reasoning behind the model was let's figure out a model that takes into account the development level of a country plus roughly the cost of postal servicing. In order to sort of create a more level playing field where lesser developed economies could also participate in, in this kind of global trade. Absolutely. Ah. You, you are 
<laughs> well, I don't, I, I don't know. I just tried to summarize it in my simple man's words, but um, I think that, that that makes it understandable, and it also makes it very understandable why a country like China back in the days got this kind of classification. Um, looking back, do, do do you feel that that implementing this sort of was sort of the right way of going? What did it mean for, uh, uh, especially so getting closer to our context, to the emergence of, of e-commerce as a whole? Of course, in 2008, uh, uh, we were really at the very, very beginning of uh, the e-commerce phenomenon, and it was uh, not maybe taken so seriously yet. Uh, the, it was really... Uh, after or with the global economic and financial crisis of uh, 2008 uh, that uh, uh, it followed uh, a huge development in, in international uh, uh, e-commerce so i think it was it was it was a good way to approach the issue because in international trade uh, there are sometimes what is called uh, profession um, preferential uh, uh, trade agreements or conditions uh, that uh, are supposed, uh, or preferential arrangements that are supposed, to, as you were summar summarizing before, to support uh, uh, developing economies uh, to access uh, uh, markets abroad. So, but, in but, a temporary, but, uh, during a temporary period of time. Ex uh, ex exactly. I, I, that, that, that's, a, that's a fascinating thing, right? So, so, at least in my opinion, every preferential kind of policy or structure is, by definition, supposed to be temporary. Yes. Right? When the playing field is level, there is no reason anymore to give pre preferential treatment. And then exactly. what? <laughs> what? What happened to the temporarity of all of this? Well, with the temporality of all of this, that uh, very often uh, it is not only the UPU, but also sometimes in the UN, uh, it, it lasts uh, for a longer period than maybe it was uh, expected. Because once you have classified countries in one category, it becomes so complicated politically to move them to another category. Sure, they want to maintain their preferential treatment. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then you have political cycles which generally, you know, take much longer than, 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 than the reflection of the economy and stuff like that. Um, so what basically happened, sort of, again, fast forward a bit, you say, okay, we, we tried to develop a policy which really helped developing nations to participate more in global trade. China, in this case, usually benefited from that as in especially related to e-commerce, and they, they were that already back then, that very big production powerhouse, and all of a sudden they got much better access to the rest of the world to put their products on the market. And, and it worked. I mean, from a policy perspective... I think it, uh, I think it was... Ma is often telling this, that he was able to, uh, to include uh, millions of uh, uh, small, uh, mi micro, small and medium-sized enterprises in international trade, no? And not only, uh, not only a system that works for multinationals, but for the small guys as well. In this sense, yeah. it, was a, it was a success. Indeed, uh, a lot of uh, Chinese companies, uh, very small companies, uh, could suddenly uh, access uh, markets abroad. So in this sense, uh, it's also, it's also a, a positive development. Of course, uh, 
Uh, this is not necessarily well accepted um, by other countries, by other companies, small companies in other countries. If they feel that it's not really a level playing field, that, that they have to pay their national post office more than the, the Chinese uh, companies end up paying for being... Uh, for delivering in the US, uh, for instance. I, 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 th I think it's very fascinating because if you put it in, in a right time frame, sort of, especially sort of looking at, f in, f at least for my interest uh, or interest on e-commerce, e-commerce would have looked different if China couldn't participate at such a scale back then. Absolutely, but the true miracle of e-commerce our postal services. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. That's that's why we're in this business together, right? That's what Warren Buffett was telling that he was impressed by Jeff Bezos from Amazon. That what Jeff Bezos did with Amazon was a miracle. The true miracle for Amazon was to Logistics. rely on the on the U.S. postal service. Yeah, yeah. Well, if the U.S. postal services, Amazon wouldn't be uh, uh, who they are today. And the same is true, as you say, for, for China, Alibaba, uh, without the International Global Postal Service, they wouldn't be where they are today. And, and, and this is very often overlooked in terms of uh, uh, economic and infrastructure development by policymakers. They, they take this postal network as granted and, and, and they can produce big effects. Yeah, well, I, I, thank you for making, the, for making this bridge because, well, obviously we look at it in a very similar way sort of chip mice, we also realize that, listen up, e-commerce doesn't exist without postal infrastructures. Uh, and, and we also agree that it's generally overlooked and underrated. Um, what I think is fascinating there, because uh, uh, how, how we look at it as a company, sort of postal services are perceived almost as a commodity where consumers or users of the servers only have negative experiences when things go wrong. But if you really look at the numbers, all postal operators are insanely efficient, high quality service providers. Do you, do you agree with that? I agree, but uh, uh, also shoppers uh, have a much higher expectation every day because they, they, they compare their overall logistic or postal experience to other kinds of consumer experiences. And in this sense, uh, uh, the challenge of postal logistics services today is really to, to progress a lot and quickly in terms of, of delivery convenience, I believe. The individualization of del del delivery for each and every shopper to make sure to find a way, probably in partnership with startups like yours, like mine, to make sure that uh, shoppers can receive uh, whenever they want, uh, wherever they want, and, and however they want. And, and, and in this way, they will be able uh, uh, to, to monetize uh, more uh, all services around convenience and, uh, and probably secure a better future by, by so doing. Let, 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 let me tear that apart again. Um, because when we talk about sort of postal operators, postal service providers, in many cases, we are talking about organizations and in institutions which are decades and decades, if not centuries old, who run a massive physical operation, right? Um, yes. Do you think that sort of 
those organizations in, the, in themselves, by their pure character, are able to move fast and change fast and, and, and evolve and develop? They cannot move fast alone. I think they need uh, critical partners. And among these critical partners, uh, um, startups uh, uh, can play a very important role uh, uh, to accelerate uh, uh, innovation and uh, let them try approach things differently the way modern shoppers want today. So uh, I, I, I don't believe they can uh, they can uh, um, fix uh, or improve everything by themselves. Uh, they need, they really need the right partners uh, for, for change. Um, and this is one of their weaknesses, uh, uh, because as you, were, uh, as you were telling me, they've been used historically to do most of uh, their developments by themselves. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it requires a, a, a critical shift in mindset to understand that today you co-create value with others. You, 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 you cannot create value alone like uh, maybe in the last century. You, you need really to, to have a, an approach where, where the, you design the value proposition of, uh, your, of your future services together with other critical partners. Yeah, to, to me, it, may, it, may, it makes total sense. But uh, I want to dig a bit in. Sort of, I, I, I think your your position and your experience and background there is is very fascinating, right? So you're involved in the you have been involved in the policy side, in the research side. Right now, you're also on the, sort of on the front end of innovation in our industry in, in technology. So you, you know those those, those postal organizations from pretty much all different angles. What is your experience within those organizations towards innovation and working with other, in, in, other mainly smaller organizations? Because how we experience it, and, and it's changing, but um, I don't know if it's changing fast enough, but just because of their size and their total focus on operational excellence, um, they often feel a bit conservative in terms of taking risks in innovation and uh, those kind of things. How, how, do you, how do you experience that? I cannot agree more with what you just told. They, they, they are relatively slow in their innovation process. Also in these organizations, uh, a lot of uh, people, employees, uh, are often uh, scared uh, by doing something wrong. Uh, it's almost cultural. So this is not uh, an easy environment for rapid change. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they need uh, to join these rapid changes today because they, 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 they may start lagging much behind or even replaced by alternative systems. If they don't join quick enough uh, these, uh, the recent innovation streams, so... so uh, in, a, in, in a way, it's extremely important for them that uh, uh, what startups like ours can offer uh, is a sort of risk sharing in terms of uh, innovation. Uh, we take the, we, actually, we take most of the risk for, for them. Yeah, absolutely. By, <laughs> absolutely. Um, by, by a number of innovations that we propose, and, um, and they, 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 they should value this even more. Uh, so that they can they can really identify what works and what doesn't work. Do, do, you, do you think those postal organizations are 
aware enough of how pressing this matter is because and, and sort of the words you use for it are so close to how we usually frame it. Um, you're basically saying if they don't start innovating at a faster pace, they're at the risk of being replaced. Exactly. And actually, this is, this is part of, uh, of the work that I did before leaving the UPU. I, I created there what is called the Integrated Index for Postal Development. So mm. it's a world ranking of postal services in the world. Is it the, the LPI? Sorry? The, the, the LPI? Or was it a different no, index? No, no, no. It's not, the, it's not the LPI. It's another index that is ranking uh, uh, postal services according to four main criteria, the four R's, uh, the reliability of their service, the reach, the global reach of their network, uh, the relevance of their service in terms of demand, and the resilience of their service in terms of sustainability. And what we, what we noticed, the next, uh, the next uh, uh, index will be released by the UPU in June, but what we noticed is that there is a very, very, very uh, uh, important problem with uh, the relevance uh, indicator. Uh, postal services, unfortunately, are losing uh, um, steadily their relevance uh, um, in, in, in many countries. Mm -hmm. And there is a big gap between those, those, those postal companies who maintain huge relevance and, and, and the followers. Is, so it is, means is, that is they that... must act now. They must act now. Is that mainly due to the fact that those postal operators are relatively inward-looking, uh, traditionally used to manage their operation and along the way lost touch with their, the user of their product? Yes, yeah, yes, they've, 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 they've been progressively uh, losing, uh, losing touch. Uh, they were sort of lucky that um, their network had a lot of good properties for e-commerce, plenty of good properties, and uh, a number of them were very well executed, as, as you were telling uh, before. But this is not a sufficient condition uh, for future success. And, um, and, and they need, they really need to, to catch up very quickly in terms of key innovation and being much more consumer-centered uh, uh, re relying much more on developing service around the recipients or of, uh, of, of merchandise uh, to adapt the, 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 the way they, they establish and communicate uh, with, with, with uh, their own customers. Otherwise, this, this initial advantage that they had to promote the huge growth of e-commerce might disappear in, uh, in the coming years if they are not adapting uh, enough. The do you, do, are, are you basically saying, listen, their physical infrastructure is pretty, pretty much unmatched, but over the past decades they've failed or lagged behind in the development of services and experiences on top of that? Exactly. They, 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 they have no notion of experience with the customer, a new customer experience. They have to revisit totally the customer experience. Well, I, uh, otherwise, uh, the, the complaints would be mounting. There was recently a, a, an index in the, in, in the UK that was published uh, around the shoppers that 
for the first time in the UK, the satisfaction uh, index of, uh, of e-shoppers was falling from 85% to 78%. That's a huge drop. So this is a signal, an alarm, that not everything is being uh, done uh, according to the wishes of shoppers. Mm -hmm. do, do, do you think those organizations even know who their customers are? I think they start really knowing more and more who they are, um, but it's not enough. I think they are they've not found the right communication channels with, with them so far. To give you an example, a lot of uh, the, the main, the main uh, way of communicating uh, for postal companies with shoppers today is through a tracking system. Mm -hmm. A tracking system. But the tracking system by itself is useful, but it's sort of boring. It's sort of sometimes is, is, is presented the tracking events uh, are presented in a very operational way. Um, so instead of using tracking system as their main communication channel, they should think of adding other ways of communicating uh, with with their customers. I'm not saying that it's easy to develop these other ways that uh, that it's easy suddenly to to to, to produce. Uh, a postal assistant, uh, or chatbots, uh, or, or, or other kind of uh, ways of communicating with, with, with customers. But they need to revisit the way of communicating, communicating with their customers. Uh, just uh, providing a tracking system is not enough in terms of, of, of communicating with the shopper. I think shoppers are expecting much more than that. Yeah, I, 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 I tend to totally agree. My, my general feeling on the postal industry is that they are rarely aware that they're providing a service to humans. And that, that they are very, very machine-based and that that's also what you need in order to operate such huge-scale sort of infrastructures. But at the end of the day, there's someone with eyes and hair and two hands who ships something and someone with eyes and, and, and that sort of stuff that receives something. And my general feeling is that those postal organizations tend to forget that there's people at the beginning and, and, and the end of this process, no matter how you put it. And um, I think that's where we're going to make the difference in the future, right? Companies like yours and, and ours. Right, I think that we're a little bit at both ends of this uh, this process. You, you are you seem to be rather more at the beginning of the uh, shipping uh, start of the shipping process, and we are more towards the, our focus is really towards the very end of the process. But this is the same logic, yes, indeed. Yeah. You cannot take more. Okay, okay, okay. Sort of this, this again a super nice bridge because are are you still at the UPO or not anymore? No, not anymore. I incorporated uh, my startup uh, last year and I left the UPU uh, in December 2017. So, uh, but I'm following closely what is happening at UPU and the UPU now uh, is, is at risk uh, with, uh, with uh, yes. the United States uh, uh, having announced their, their withdrawal for, for next October. Uh, there are negotiations uh, uh, with, with them and uh, there is an extraordinary congress of the UPU, which is going to take place in Geneva, probably in September. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, uh, will will be will set the ground for, for a new agreement that um, could reverse the U.S. decision 
to withdraw from the from the UPU, but it would be very sad uh, to to see the US uh, leave these uh, these organizations. Yeah, let 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 let, let me tear this apart in, in in two separate topics to to discuss. Let, let let's first go back to the UPU and what that might imply for the future of the postal in industry sort of as as we know it. Right? Trump basically said, listen up, by now the UPU treaty is unfair, it's against the US postal market, so we're gonna leave. Right? Um, mainly, I think mainly driven by China. Sort of by the advantage China still still get out of it. Am I am I right there, or do do you look at that differently? This is the right summary, of course. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're now in a situation where China is still defending its classification, where it gets preferential treatment, which put the U.S. in a situation where we say, yeah, but listen up, this is so so damaging for domestic market that we're gonna leave. What will happen if the U.S. really leaves? The risk if the U.S. leaves that other UPU member countries may, may follow. Uh, because the U.S. is not the only country who is not totally satisfied with the current system. Uh, there are other countries, for instance Canada, who are also complaining a lot about uh, uh, the lack of cost covering of these... Uh, um, inbound items uh, that they have to deliver to, 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 their, to their citizens uh, and other countries, also Scandinavian countries, are not necessarily happy with, uh, um, with the, the current situation. So the risk if, if the U.S. leaves the organization uh, is, is to have other countries leaving the organization and this creates a systemic risk in the sense that uh, that uh, suddenly the whole pack can, uh, can, can come apart. A lot of mess, a lot of problems in the international uh, um, postal flows, and and uh, it, it, because sometimes uh, sometimes uh, sometimes items must go through a third country before reaching final destination. So if suddenly. It's a network. If suddenly nodes of the network start disappearing, these 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 reduce uh, the capacity of the of the overall remaining network to treat smoothly all exchanges. It it, 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 it would be the Brexit of the postal world, all right? It, it would be the Brexit of the postal world. Yes, it would. Be, it's it's uh, one uh, one key player leaving the pact threatens the entire system. Yes, indeed. That's a good comparison. So let's hope that there is no, no, no tracks it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is a fellow colleague uh, from the UPU was calling this a tracks it. Yeah. So let's hope there is a, no, no tracks it. And uh, I think it's very important for the world and uh, for everything, because because this this organization goes also beyond beyond pure trade. It's also a very important uh, international cooperation framework in modern times. Uh, it's always very sad to see uh, international organization of the United Nations system being threatened because, in spite of the of the criticism that one can have sometimes with this organization, 
um, they still uh, uh, they still are very much necessary in this world to, to balance a number of interests. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of that that criticism is is relatively short term, overlooking the long term value they provided, right? Um, okay, so we're basically. Yeah, so we're basically in a situation where countries like the U.S. and Canada, but there, there, there are a few more also in Europe, that's saying, "Hey, listen up! That treaty is not up to date anymore for everything that comes in from China and a couple of other uh, low-cost countries. We lose money on that delivery, and that hurts our, our domestic market. So we're going to bail out." Then there is roughly two situations that can occur, right? The union falls apart and, and a country like U.S. or falls apart or loses a major player in, in, in terms of the U.S. or a country like China accepts a reclassification. What will happen then? Then it will also depend a lot whether there is a global trade agreement between the United States and China. Mm -hmm. I'm convinced that in the coming, if in the coming weeks or months uh, uh, China and the and U.S. are able to reach uh, a global trade agreement between them, a new trade deal between them, then uh, the UPU issue uh, will be resolved without any trouble. But if there is no no trade agreement, no trade deal between the U.S. Uh, uh, and China by the time of the UPU Congress in September or by the time of the of the U.S. reserve deadline in, in October, then I'm afraid that we can uh, enter in, 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 into this vicious circle of uh, U.S. leaving, other considering to leave, and so on and so forth. And so this will be a, a, a dramatic uh, shift in the wrong direction, unfortunately. Yes, I, yeah, I hope that that won't happen. That would really, really have huge, huge implications. Um, do we think it will get that far? Because at the end of the day, that will have huge negative economic implications for everyone. This is why I still believe that eventually um, all, all what is happening right now is a way of mounting pressure by Trump on China. And at the end, it's a way, it's a way for the US to, to get uh, uh, a great trade deal for them, um, so let's hope that it's just a way to get a great trade deal uh, uh, for the US with China, and then uh, everything comes back to, to, to a more normal, normalized situation, normalized relationship, uh, and that countries move out of the international postal crisis, mm -hmm. because we have to be we have to be. We have to see the, the the current reality. This is an international postal crisis. Yes, yes, I, I think so too. Do you think sort of um, that mainly sort of Chinese companies start preparing already for the if it falls apart scenario? I think so. I think that these the, the Chinese players are extremely competitive and they are probably exploring already. Uh, Alternative using uh, uh, freight systems, uh, injecting uh, their goods domestically, uh, so that it's delivered then through the domestic system. Or now, you know, with, with predictive analytics, you can also anticipate demand uh, mm -hmm. in advance, and and you can move goods before they are uh, they are ordered. So if you move uh, early enough, the goods. Uh, 
the final uh, country of destination, you can then find a solution through the portal network or other alternative networks to deliver all these tasks uh, again. Yeah, I, th I, 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 I think Alibaba is an, is an amazing example of that, where they sort of not that long ago announced uh, to develop intra-European warehouses. Um, yeah, that, that, that literally that they sort of, instead of, um, they get the sort of the international lag of transportation more in the freight area of sort of large-scale import-export operations and then dis distribute locally or regionally. Those, those kind of solutions, right? This is what we're, what we're thinking about. Okay, that's clear. I think this is a very nice bridge again. Man, this, is, this story is so aligned to technologies, technologies. Um, let, let, let me touch on two things there. Um, let me first generically sort of discuss the, the technologies where you believe from your perspective that change will come from in the logistics industry. You just touched upon uh, sort of predictive analysis where companies actually can predict the demand for goods before the order is made. So that has, you know, that makes for a much more predictable supply chain, etc. cetera. Um, what kind of technologies do you see beyond that or next to that, that, that will have a huge impact on Maybe e-commerce, but it's sort of e-commerce as sort of leading for logistics and logistics in itself. What's going to happen there? Yeah, there is a lot of uh, grace, the digital transformation that is taking place, or starting to take place uh, in, in the logistics and, and postal industry. And, uh, and basically it has three, three, three dimensions. So it's what to do with a huge amount of data that they have, mm -hmm. they don't, they don't uh, exploit or, or, or leverage enough today. How to, 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 to communicate in a different way with, uh, with, with customers, with shoppers today. Uh, and then how to move uh, trust from, uh, from, the, from the physical to the digital space. Huh? Mm -hmm. Those organizations have been benefiting, postal services uh, have, been, have been among the most trusted organizations in the world. But how you move the trust from the physical to the digital space. So in terms of, of using it. Making uh, um, a better use of data, uh, definitely uh, technologies around artificial intelligence will play a critical role. There is no postal or logistics services of the future without machine learning, without artificial intelligence. It's very clear. Mm -hmm. uh, in all parts of the process, from posting to, to delivery, uh, then, um, then establishing a new ways of communicating with customers is also critical in the sense uh, um, chatbots uh, can play a very important role in the future in order to strengthen, for instance, uh, traditional communication with tracking systems. Mm -hmm. and, then, uh, and, and then, of course, if you want to move in the future, uh, your trust from the physical to the digital space, uh, these companies must also consider blockchain uh, uh, technologies um, that uh, in a few years could uh, also uh, be a critical asset for, for these networks to, to, to maintain uh, customer trust in, in their services. Clear. And now this is, and this is where it becomes very exciting on a more macro level. So all of that let 
to you leaving the U Yupu and starting your own company? Absolutely. Now I want to hear that story, sort of, because it's a huge transition, right, from a very academic, policy-oriented career to a technology startup. What, 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 what made you do that? Uh, I, I was feeling the need to, to establish a connection uh, with the final consumer mm -hmm. that was not really possible uh, uh, within uh, the GPU, who was uh, more uh, uh, work uh, dealing uh, with, uh, with, uh, with postal networks between themselves. So, so I, I didn't have the opportunity really to reach uh, uh, the final consumer or the shopper uh, through my UPU activities. And um, I was perceiving at the same time a big insatisfaction, uh, uh, more and more arising insatisfaction, maybe not big at that, that time, but a rising insatisfaction of, uh, of shoppers and recipients of online orders in the way they were treated by postal services, in spite of these postal services in, uh, in, uh, in advanced economies, achieving traditional good quality of service performance but it's not because you you achieve your quality targets in terms in terms of uh, uh networks that shoppers or your customers are necessarily fully happy so i i, I found out that there was a very big space uh, in the coming years there to to, to contribute to, to much greater uh, satisfaction of uh, shoppers and this is why I, I decided with my uh, knowledge in, uh, in big data and my market knowledge to, to launch my, my own log tech company. Mm -hmm. I wanted to reach out to, to everybody by online. <laughs> yeah, um, makes total sense to me. So you, you felt, okay, I want to have a much more, I want to be much more in touch with you know, day-to-day -day life of our industry and the consumer end of things. And the way you saw that is by, you know, building a service and experience layer on top of the delivery infrastructures itself. Exactly. What did you build or what are you building? So it's, it's still a little bit of a surprise that uh, we've been uh, uh, sort of bootstrapping for a year and. Uh, and now we, we, we have a surprise for the coming weeks and months. Basically, we are building up a system that enables and empowers shoppers to receive their orders where they want, when they want, and how they want. Mm -hmm. And that, that's really sort of driven by the needs or the desires of the end consumer, right? Exactly. We, can, can, I, can, can, can I poke around about the surprise which is coming in a couple of weeks? Or not yet? Yes. <laughs> you, 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 can, you can poke around. <laughs> okay, what will be the surprise? The, the surprise that you, 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 will, you will really feel... Uh, uh, you will feel truly comfortable uh, with the increase increasing uh, uh, numbers of, of, of parcels that you have to, to, that you receive uh, every, every day if you are a frequent shopper and uh, that uh, we want to move uh, the effort that you are producing 
today, as a shopper, you are producing more and more efforts. It's becoming more and more constraining to 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 deal with all the, the parcels that you that you receive. You you are we are going to move these efforts somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere else, and that's in the in the magic black box. Um, <laughs> But if, okay, um, how should I look at it in terms of um, your business model or how you operate? Is it sort of is it really a, a layer on top of uh, logistic and postal services, and that makes you know the logistics operators your customer, or is it something the end consumer uh, has to pay for, or how, how will it look like? It's a B to B to C approach. Mm -hmm. Where basically all these parts uh, are involved, postal uh, uh, logistics companies, but shoppers as well as uh, as uh, retailers uh, and uh, platforms or physical retail stores. So we we want to facilitate uh, for everybody the the last step to your goal. That that that's very challenging. Um, sort of. One of the reasons why we're really focused on the merchant side of it is to avoid the huge complexity of working together in the triangle between uh, the postal company, the merchant and the consumer. How are you going to pull that off? Well, you know, uh, there are lots of um, um, capacity around you that are not fully utilized. So um, I, I cannot reveal uh, everything. <laughs> no, but no, no need is, to. You can you can sit on your in, um, on your magic. <laughs> there is a lack of capacity around where you are that is not fully leveraged, and uh, uh, and our systems want to make sure that all this capacity to help you for the final steps of your delivery can be mobilized. Ah, so the, the basic logic behind uh, what you're building now between those three parties, the, the, the postal companies, the merchants and the consumer is sort of a load balancing system that allows you to service at a much higher level on existing capacities. Yes, exactly. Nice. Particularly for, you know, for the holiday season, for the big traffic time, um, suddenly networks, but as well uh, retailers, needs lots more support to make sure that uh, the delivery is the best at the critical time of the year. How, 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 do, you, how, how do you think that works in generally, right? Because the, those postal infrastructures, they probably are um, developed to cope with the quantity, I don't know, 70% of the year, but they are not so massive. They, they, they don't have such an overcapacity that they conveniently can deal with peak seasons. Will that ever change? Yes, I think uh, uh, the, 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 there are capacities. Uh, uh, if you take the, the process, the full logistic process from beginning to end, from posting to delivery, in spite of we are focusing on the very last uh, steps, huh? mm -hmm. but for, for, from the beginning of this process, I'm convinced that there are um, complementary assets, other um, other uh, networks or other other alternatives that can, can could be combined with postal and logistics companies to to manage this, this big traffic uh, 
season. Uh, they, they, you, you can, uh, you can, you can, you, 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 you can partner with uh, with many players uh, uh, in a collaborative way to handle this, uh, this, uh, your lack, uh, your own lack of capacity uh, to successfully handle the holiday season. Does that mean that you see, sort of, on on a macro level, a huge value in a sort of logistics net neutrality? In in a way, yes, exactly, yes. It could be summarized in in uh, in, in this way. Uh, we, we we have to build all together, and you are part of it in what you are doing too. We have to build the the, the the logistics internet that doesn't exist today. Yeah, yeah, because right now it's basically in every country you have five, six, seven major networks literally working in parallel, doing pretty much exactly. the exact same thing. Exactly. I think this way of working in parallel from beginning to end is is uh, yeah, condemned to, to end. It will disappear. I, Otherwise, but, uh, we lose the competitiveness. The one who is not collaborating enough in the future, we lose competitiveness. Jose, I, I broke my mind a gazillion times over this. Because to me, this is the obvious answer too, right? Um, it doesn't make sense to run six parallel railroad tracks all going to the same destination. But if you look at how massive those logistic infrastructures are, the, the insane amount of assets that are sunk into those networks, would there be at any point in time logistic companies willing to merge, which would imply the loss of brand, uh, maybe the loss of credibility, for sure writing off parts of their assets. Do you see that happening? I think it's a critical shift that they have to consider, like Microsoft was considering moving their business to the cloud. It's the same kind of big strategic issues that uh, Postal Logistics CEO must consider. Is how, where, where is my critical role in the system here? Well, the, the, the question becomes, if you start merging those networks, is there anyone right now who has a critical role or, or would be sort of the independent network operator of the future? Sort of, that, that, that's, that's why I personally struggle, because I think everyone in the industry sees that a part of the answer is in a single neutral network. But I, 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 I just don't know how the first logistics operators are, are going to move into that. It, because it's basically giving up their individual existence. Well, it depends. It might be interesting to shift your business. Uh, the, profitabil the profitability of these companies today uh, is not exceptional. So, and a number of these postal logistics companies are, are, have been corporatized, a number of them privatized. Uh, so it could be that in the future, because they have to improve uh, uh, profitability compared to, uh, to, 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 to today's uh, situations, they will be ready to, to give up something from the current uh, uh, strength of their business to achieve new milestones uh, because if they go on uh, with the current logic uh, it's going to be extremely challenging 
for them uh, um, to satisfy their future shareholders for a yeah. privatized company. Yeah, the sort of I, I look at it in a, in a in a very similar way, but that that basically means that sooner or later one of the big players need to take a huge short-term bullet. Yes. And and sort of how would that fly with current shareholders? I, I I I don't know the answer. I think quite a bit about this because I look at it in a very similar way as you do. I just at the moment don't see. It happening that one of the key players makes a first move and take it and, and 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 takes that bullet. I sort of I totally agree. If no one does it, they're all doomed. But at the same time, but at the same time, I don't see anyone doing it. And it, 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 it's going to be. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yes. I I, th I yeah, think. Yeah, we're going through a time, and and uh, it's, I think nobody has a final answer today. So it's an exciting time to observe and and. Yes, I, I think this is a, a very nice last sort of last topic to move into before we, we, we end this conversation. What do you see happening on, on, on a macro level the coming five to ten years? So, sorry, sorry, I missed you there. What did you say? Sorry, sorry, I, I, I lost you there a bit, Jose. The, con the, the connection is a bit shaky. Can you repeat that? Jose, are you back? Network. Yes. Uh, so, sorry. Can we, can we wind back a bit because the, 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 the connection turned bad? Can you repeat the, the last couple of minutes? So, um, how what do you see happening in the coming five to ten years in in the industry? Let, let, let me try to. Let, let, let me try to call you again. Yes, we are. We are back. <laughs> that that that's the internet. Um, let, let, let's pick it up before the connection went bad. Uh, I think sort of um, as the last part of the conversation. I think it it, it would be a nice finish. Um, what sort of on on a macro level will you see happening in the coming five to ten years or industry? Because we have huge. In that sense, policy, political uncertainty surrounding global postal services. We have a huge challenge in terms of the existing infrastructures that are at the end of their economic viability the way they are now. And we have new technologies moving in, really focused on now the nowadays or maybe even the future expectations of the consumer. How will those three key forces shape our, our world coming five to ten years? It's clear that the, the, the landscape is going to become totally different 
because the situation uh, cannot go on uh, uh, as it is today. And um, there's, there's never been uh, uh, so much uh, activity uh, around the uh, startup in the log tech uh, ecosystem. Um, so I, I suspect uh, that the number of these uh, startup will become very successful and uh, and uh, help reshape uh, the, the the fully the global logistics and, and postal landscape. And those postal companies or logistic companies that will be able to to work or partner with these key startups or even them over in the future will be the the, the, the winners in the, in the process uh, of course uh, uh, what could um, totally change uh, the landscape is uh, the role of uh, Amazon or Alibaba eventually becoming the most important uh, postal and logistics delivery companies um, and, and these uh, these will uh, change uh, the market equilibrium totally and, and and we can see move in this direction where where these um, e-commerce platforms such as Amazon or Alibaba um, were not uh, considered a very serious threat uh, by logistics companies and postal companies uh, five or ten years ago and are now um, likely to be the future candidates uh, uh, for uh, market dominance uh, in in the in the logistics and delivery space. Do, do you so, do, do you incorporate um, sort of autonomous vehicles and autonomous driving into that? Because I think it's sort of from a commercial aspect in terms of. You know, the, the companies like Amazon and, and Alibaba who control a huge amount of the market. Similarly, it will happen with the producers of autonomous vehicles and autonomous transportation. Why would a Tesla, a Google or whatever sell their technology off to existing logistic infrastructures? Would they? I think it's a huge opportunity for, for them to provide autonomous vehicles for, uh, for delivery purposes. And who knows if these, uh, if these uh, uh, autonomous vehicles uh, providers could even become eventually uh, delivery providers themselves. There are, I think, tests uh, um, going on in London, if I'm right, with, with, with Ford. Uh, if I remember well, uh, also trying to 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 enter the the, the delivery space. So uh, what is what is interesting is that the delivery space is not uh, the only realm of the, the only. It's not only for postal or traditional logistics company like UPS, FedEx, or uh, or DHL anymore. Huh? Totally and anymore, and, and 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 that was that was the thing that for centuries was the case. It's not their exclusive space anymore. Exactly. I think this is a truly big shift in the coming 10 years. So other players could be the initial e-commerce platforms that are increasingly, increasingly becoming delivery networks as well, like uh, 
uh, today Amazon or in future Alibaba, but maybe as you were suggesting yourself with these uh, autonomous vehicle producers, the Tesla um, uh, the, the, and, and the others, uh, they could also become uh, critical players uh, uh, in the on delivery markets. Uh, so this is an extremely challenging time for postal and logistics companies, the traditional one, if they don't accelerate innovation and if they don't uh, partner with, with, uh, with, um, with uh, companies, startups that can help them accelerate uh, uh, innovation and, and empower them to, to, to be ready to compete and collaborate with these future alternative networks that are going to appear in the coming 10 years. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think for me this is a nice way to wrap the entire thing up. So we discussed a lot of what's happening in the field and we come to the conclusion that no one knows how our world looks like in 5 to 10 years. And it holds for logistic companies, but it also holds for e-commerce businesses in itself and for the entire new layer of log tech companies in between like yours and ours, right? Is there anything you want to add to this conversation, you want to discuss, you want to get off your chest about this? I think I would really like to thank you for this opportunity. I think it's great to have such a conversation between uh, uh, startup founders and uh, I'm sure that we can show the way to the, the rest of the industry that collaboration uh, uh, is also uh, absolutely critical to progress together. If even if in, in some areas we can somehow compete too, we are in a world where, where we have to find a balance between uh, a collaboration and competition. And this was a very nice example uh, with this interview, this, this podcast uh, uh, with you. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm so not, not a... I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm from a personal perspective, so not afraid of competition because it's so micro, sort of... We are all needed to make that shift. And then some of us make it, will big, stay alive or relatively small. Some of them will be big. That's, that's literally micro things, but it is, I, I really think that it's those kind of conversations um, on a very sort of uncompetitive framework that really help moving, uh, moving all the world in the, in, in the new direction. So I would like to thank you a lot for your time. Uh, we for sure stay in touch. I wish you all the luck uh, with Shipping Bot. And I wish you, we're almost clo close to the weekend. So I think we can, I can safely wish you an amazing weekend. Thank you, have a very nice weekend. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks a lot. Uh, thank you, Suzanne. Uh, okay. Gracias. <laughs>